Hello, Internet. Oh, my gosh. I... <laughs> Hello, Internet. Wow. Yes, we are on the interwebs now. I think I just channeled in a little bit of YouTube. Do we want to restart, or is this a thing now? Let's just roll with it, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Tangent Podcast, brought to you by... Yours truly, Jack and Austin, my fine fellow friend here with me on my right side. This is episode four? Yes. Five? Four. Well, if we include our pilot we recorded, then it's five, but... Fourth official released episode. Um, Yeah, um, if you listen to the prior episode, you notice that it was not... A owl episode, American Urban Legends. Um, we went Alabama, Alaska, um, and we decided to take a small break on the whole states uh, urban legends because we had a few. Just listen to the last one; you'll you'll understand why we're doing it. Um, um, but last week, last whenever we released the last episode, uh, <laughs> it. We talked about Elisa Lam and the strange um, happenings of her, her death. death. Oh, gosh, it's late at night. You're just going to have to deal with me um, as you have to every, every single episode. Um, yes, but this time we are talking about, honestly, my personal favorite story of um, unknown or unexplained incidences in the world ever. This is just so incredibly just interesting, messed up, um, not quite as messed up in the same disturbing sense as Elisa Lamb was. It's a different disturbing, like, just kind of, we don't know what happened, and there is no way we will ever know. It, it's disturbing, but it is just... Just great at the same time. It's just, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just something about it it's so captivating, and it's a great story. Well, okay, it's a, it's a terrible story it, that happened. It's very unfortunate, but it, it makes for a good story, um, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, it's one of those stories where you can definitely use your imagination and come up with tons of different possible solutions to what happened but this is the Dyatlov Pass incident yes it's been pretty heavily covered as well on some other podcasts and it is also one of my personal favorites just because there's so much like so many weird things about it that can be explained so many different ways and there's so much mystery surrounding it it's just cool. It is sad, like Jack said, but it's so so interesting to think about. It's just nuts in every aspect. The more you go into it, the more questions you get, and none of them ever really get answered. So another reason why I like this one so much is uh, it was actually one of the, it was the first like true crime podcast I actually listened to. It was recommended to me by Austin himself, um, and... Uh, it's the first thing we I listen to personally, and true crime, paranormal, blah blah blah, that that sense, and it got me hooked. 
Um, one of the reasons we're doing our podcast today, I think, is the Outlaw Pass has a, 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 a bit of pull on that. And, well, let's just get right into it. Yeah. As, as Jack said, we're moving away from the states here, going south of the border a little bit, over to uh, Russia. Did you say south of the border? We're going south of the border to it's, Russia. It's it's east. Fine. Well, or west, we depending can't, on which way you we go. We can't say east of the border. That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. It's just the border, but east. It's not a saying. It could be. We're going south of the border and then east. No, we're going north and then east. <laughs> Fine, whatever. <laughs> or west. Okay. West is faster. Okay. We're going to Russia. That's where we're going. Deep into Russia. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is in the Ural Mountains. Okay, first, let's just start off by, none of us have any experience in Russian language or, uh, vocabulary in any way. So, every single one of these words is probably going to be pronounced incorrectly, but you get the point. But that is where you are wrong, Jack. Oh my goodness. Yuri himself has joined us. Yes. Yeah, we, we <laughs> don't speak Russian. It'll, it'll be rough. Just know that right off the bat. Uh, so yeah, Dyatlov Pass, it's a crazy one. If you haven't heard of it before, it was a group of, was it nine hikers? Yeah, nine. Uh, was it nine originally and then eight, or was it ten it and then ten, nine? It was ten, no, let's see, yeah, ten, because well, it says the deaths of nine. Okay, so there was nine people, and then there were eight, and then there were nine again. Or was there nine, then ten, I've, then nine? Because remember, they had... They had one guy that one guy didn't left, die. yeah, and then one guy that joined that went up with them later. Right. So I think they started out with ten because remember they started. There was a guy that ended up not going the whole way with them, and he went back. So there was originally nine groups of people, or sorry, a group of nine people, and these people are um, about mid twenties to mid thirties, uh, prime. Not really physical prime. specimens. They're they're very good physically, um, and what they're what they're doing is they're going on a backpacking mountain climbing expedition to a mountain that what did it translate to dead mountain dead, dead mountain or death mountain or something. Let me see if I can find the name of it. The, the Russian mountain, name is you know Russian, but it does translate to uh, dead mountain. Wait, I the believe. Russian name is Russian. Oh my gosh, could could you not right now? Um, dead mountain. Yeah, so it is. Um, let's see if I can find the Russian name. Let's see. But yeah, it translates to Dead Mountain. Okay, well, well, he looks for that. Um, yes, so, and it's got kind of a, it's not like, no, it's no Mount Everest, but it is a difficult mountain to climb. It's not insane, but it is not for the faint of heart. Um, but these people, this is what they did. They loved backpacking, um, they loved mountain climbing. So this is what they did. They had the necessary equipment. They were very capable of this certain task. It's not like they just liked it. They were experts at it. Like they were some of the best and legitimate experts in it. So they weren't just like weekend backpackers. Yeah, it's just like, like, oh, hey, you guys want to go on a trip? No, they did this, like, on a weekly basis. Yeah. This is what they, this was their hobby. This was their. Like, their life, pretty much, was, like, devoted to this. So, we're just trying to get the point across that these were no average amateur hikers. Um, So, there were nine people. Um, What happened, just a little bit of the the beginning, so we can just get this out of the way. Um, They hiked up partially, um, 
one of the members, actually, I think before that even happened, um, one other group had turned around for whatever whatever reason, and they had someone in their group. Can you get me a name by chance? Of the guy that left? No, the one guy that um, joined up with them. Oh, that was Yuri Yudin, I'm pretty sure. Yuri Yudin. Um, he was the survivor, if that's what you're talking about. No, he was not. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, not the survivor. I'm talking about the one that... Um, he was by himself, and he caught up oh. with that group and said, hey, can I join you guys? Anyway, there was one guy that was alone, and he happened to see these this group of people, and he went, hey, can I can I join you, basically? And I don't know his name. We might find it. Um, but I do remember he was ex-military, and he was a, he was a, a rough and tough dude. Um, they were a little hesitant at first. From what the notes, there are journal entries that have been found, so we're not just kind of like making stuff up. Um, but they were hesitant at first, but they actually ended up really liking the guy and bringing him along with. Uh, later on, one of them, and that one was Yuri. That was Yuri Yudin. Yuri yeah. Yudin um, had a he got sick. He he had a heart problem, yeah, leg problem, congenital heart defect. Yeah, he had, so he had a de- heart defect and, and he, knee pain. Aha! I said heart problem and leg problems. Yep. I was right. Um. Anyway, he had to turn around. They didn't get very far, and he's like, "Sorry, guys, you got to go on without me. I'm in too much pain." Blah blah blah. So he left and went home. Um, and so that leaves the nine that are left: eight original plus the one that joined in with them later. Here's another interesting uh, fact. So these, like, they were legitimately professional hikers and professional, like, outdoorsmen. Um, so eight of the nine were class or grade two hikers with ski tour experience. And after this trip, which was a 10 kilometer trip, they would be receiving their grade three certification. And that was at the highest, or that was at the time, the highest certification available in Russia. So they were, they're good. The top, like the best of the best. They were just about to become the best of the best you could get in Russia at the time. Um, they're good. They know what they're doing. Um, right. So they, they set out on this there? trip. Um, so they went and stayed in a town, and they took a truck ride from there to a village that was like the last inhabited settlement to the north. So they were heading north. So they go to the very last civilization, and um, they like bought some bread there and got some food. And then the, the next day, when they when they began, that's when Yuri got sick and had his knee problems, and he ended up having to stay back. So, um, trying to find out how far they made it. So they hiked for let's see, they hiked for three days. And this is according to diaries and then cameras that the group had. Oh yeah, they so, did, did take a lot of photos. Right. Um, and these are actually available online. Um, you can take a look at the pictures that they found in the. Um, investigation uh, afterwards and some of the diary notes i gotta find it but i would recommend if you're interested in this definitely go take a look but i would also recommend uh viewers discretion because if you take a look at um the pictures that they took there's a high chance that they also are attaching the pictures that um of the dead people of yeah the crime scene which does have some dead people. Stuff. Um, I th- 
think it's this one. Yeah. Is that it? I don't know if that's, that's it. it. I'm pretty sure. That's um, not the one I remember. Is it this one? Make that quieter. Oh, that is. This that is, is the one it. I remember yeah. looking at. Um, you can just just Google search Dyatlov Pass. Dyatlov is spelled. You can see it in the Google search. I was going to say title of the oh. podcast. Yeah. Unless we don't plan on putting it there. D y a t l o v. D y a t l o v. Yes, Dyatlov Pass. Um, just Google Dyatlov Pass photos, and you'll be able to see them. Um, it's really interesting. The pictures they took and the aftermath as well. Um, but don't get ahead of yourselves. Wait for us to you know tell tell you the story before you go googling things. Um, where do we go from there? Just straight into the incident? Yes. Well, so they they uh, they left the village on the twenty seventh of January, and they were climbing the mountain called Otorten, which is uh, Dead Mountain. And so the next day, the day after they started, that's when Yuri went back with his leg and his heart stuff. And then three days later, so they'd been out for four days total, they, uh, again, diaries and the pictures are what help us kind of track the, the trek. So on January 31st, they arrived uh, kind of where they were starting to climb and summit the mountain. And they kind of cached their surplus of food and equipment that they would be using for their trip back. So the trip total, I think, was 10 kilometers. But again, they were hiking in the winter. So, like, in the summer, you could do 10 kilometers, like, easy in a day. And it's not necessarily all flat. Right, right. It's up, and it's rocky, and it's Russia in the winter. Right. It's not easy. Feet and feet upon feet of snow and rugged terrain. So, yeah, they were moving... Not super quickly. Um, so four days, they get to the base of the mountain. They start climbing. They leave most of their cache of food and supplies at the bottom at their kind of like base camp. Um, so then the following day on the 1st of February, they started to move through the pass, the Otlov Pass. It's not called the Otlov Pass just yet. Right. Because right. And actually the, the leader, quote-unquote leader of the group, his last name is Dyatlov. I can't remember his first name. His name is Igor Alexievich Dyatlov. Yeah, that. And this is why it ends up being called Dyatlov Pass, is because they named after the, the, the leader's right. name um, after, yeah, after the incident happened. Right. So basically what happened is they start to go through this pass, and their plan was to go camp on the next side of this pass for a night. Um, but because of the weather, there was like a really bad snowstorm. They ended up taking the wrong direction and kind of going to the west um, towards the top of Kolatsyakil, which I think that's just kind of like the name of the like the area or the city that they were, like not city because there wasn't anything there, but just the area that they were in. Um, so then they realized that they were offline and they just decided to stop and set up their camp there on the slope of a mountain, which kind of sucks. If you've ever camped and slept in a tent on a hill, it's awful. <laughs> but yeah, they're on the slope of a mountain. Uh, they were about one and a half kilometers or almost one mile um, like away from the forested area where they wanted to be. So to move through the snow almost a mile would have taken them a long time. So they just decided to set up camp here. Um, they didn't have any like forest or shelter um, from the elements, so it was really snowy. And... Um, they just decided to camp there. So that's kind of where 
disaster begins to strike. And it gets, it gets, <clears throat> and by the, yeah, disaster is literal. It's, it's crazy too. I'm, I'm debating how we want to say it, how this happened. Do we want to go, um, straight to the trying to discover them? Cause this is about when they went missing, correct? Right. Right, and um, the reason they knew they were missing is because they had agreed that they w- the hikers would send a telegram to... Um, Their hiking club or whatever. Right. They would send them a telegram when they returned to the village that they began the trek from. Um, so then they said that they expected that would happen no later than February 12th, and so when the 12th passed and no messages had been received, there was no... They didn't react immediately, Um because they knew that there might be a couple days delay with the severe weather. You know, they weren't anticipating that necessarily. Um, they, um, they waited all the way till the 20th. Right. Um, and that's when they decided to send in rescue groups um, to find them. And let's see, on the 26th, so six days later, um, what, what day they left on the 1st? They left January 27th. Oh, really? Okay. This was about a month later, yeah. Um, So on the 26th of February, they finally found um, the group. Um, Kind of. Some of them. This is where it gets real interesting. Um, Well, didn't they first just find the tent? I think they found... Oh, you're right. Just the campsite, which the tent was really badly damaged um so okay, they get so there yes, they first find the tent that is half torn down covered in snow and where they find also all their belongings and shoes and blah 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 left behind so they find the group's campsite sorry they don't find them just yet um but they do find footprints leading out from the campsite in almost every direction um and another kind of key detail is that they found the damaged tent was actually cut out from the inside and I don't necessarily know how they they were able to tell I'm guessing just by the way the fabric was cut like I'm sure if you cut it it would kind of like bow out a certain way you know depending on what side you're cutting from I'm guessing if you cut through from one side the fabrics you know how like it'll like, fray? Yeah. The fabrics are probably fray towards out. the out yeah. of where... I'm guessing that's what it is, but I can't be sure. Right. These Again, these are experienced hikers, and one of them is ex-military. They have knives and other survival gear that right. probably they use to cut themselves out of the tent, which is kind of weird. How is cutting yourself out of a tent faster than just walking out? Right. So it shows some desperation uh, to get out. Much desperation. Right. Um, um, also, notice that they're... Shoes and clothes are still in the campsite with them not there. Right. They said the most of the nine pairs of footprints were left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or barefoot. Um, and they were leading down toward the edge of the, of the nearby woods down there um, on the opposite side of the pass. So it was, what, was that 1.5 kilometers away? Yeah. Um, to the northeast, so they ran forever, like almost a mile out of this tent. Yeah, but it, but after about sixteen hundred feet, the tracks start to get covered because right. it's super snowy. There's been storms. It's been a while, supposedly, since 
this event has actually happened. They don't know when it actually happened, but yes, these footprints start getting covered up and they find it harder to track. Um, but they do find, uh, where is it at? Um, at the forest edge under a large tree, large pine tree, um, they, they find visible remains of a small fire. Um, and also they found the first two bodies. Um, gosh dang. Of Krivonishenko. Go for it. Tell me their names. Krivonishenko and Doroshenko. Okay. Both Shenkos, apparently. Um, they find their bodies shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. Um, the branches of the tree were broken up to five meters high, um, about 30 feet, just for comparison. Um, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something or and maybe even hide, get away from something. Um, so just just taking a pause break there. How far away was this again? Um, about a mile almost away a from... Almost a mile away. About yeah. Almost a mile away from where the camp was. They find uh, a fire, which makes sense. You try to keep warm. Um, Especially only if you're in your underwear. That's where things get weird. The the bodies they find, only in their underwear, that's it. Why the heck would you leave your tent like that? In the middle of the Russian winter. Like... And again, experienced. Right. They know if they go out like that, they are going to die. Well, that's the thing: is you're just you're you're picking one form of death over another. Like you're choosing to freeze to death rather than face whatever there was at your tent. whatever was causing such Which, desperation. Yeah. So you're just choosing to die by freezing rather than dying by whatever's in your tent. Which freezing sounds awful. is a terrifying concept. <laughs> okay. And then on top of that. They find broken branches from the tree they were under five meters high. Now, it makes sense if maybe maybe they're trying to climb the tree to find the others because it was just two of them. Maybe they were trying to, again, get away from something that may have initially caused what they got frightened or why they left the tent in the first place. Um, there's many reasons why... Um, this could be happening. Um, and before people dismiss this as, oh, they're probably broken already, it could have been animals, they find human skin uh, remnants within the tree bark. Like, it had been climbed, or... I don't know. What else could happen? Yeah, like... To tear up your hands on tree bark, like, you gotta be pretty rough on your hand. Like, I don't know. And... Five meters? That's pretty high. Yeah, that is that is pretty high. I mean, high. these are experienced hikers, but why on earth are they going so high up in that tree? Especially in your underwear, like in the freezing cold. When Yeah, you're not wearing gloves, you're not wearing shoes. Right. You're not wearing I, anything, and your skin's going to get destroyed. Right. I, I can't imagine what would have caused them to want to climb a tree in that condition. Like, away from the fire, of all things. Like, in that condition, you want to stay as close to the fire as you can. So, again, they're choosing to leave the fire to climb a tree to do something. We don't know. But it appears that they were climbing with haste because their skin was found there. 
Um, but yeah, so those two Shanko dudes were found there um, in their underwear. And then between um, the pine tree there and the camp, they found three other corpses. Dyatlov, who the pass is named after, Kolmogorova and Slobodin, who seemed to have died in poses that suggested they were going back to the tent. They were trying to make their way back after right. leaving. I don't know how they can really really tell I'm guessing that. maybe just the direction. Yeah, they're like, probably facing towards a tent like they were right. walking that way and fell forward yeah. after dying. I don't know. You don't really fall that way face down, per se, if you're going the other way. Probably, but they weren't really together either. They were, um, one of them was 300 meters from the tree, another was 480 meters from the tree, and then 630 meters from the tree. So they were all separated and kind of found alone, but in a line going towards the, the tent. Again, so, so it's weird that they leave in such a haste, but then go back. Maybe they were just going back for supplies to try and stay alive. Um, I don't know. That's we don't know. But so that's two we found under the tree. Three we found. Otherwise, that's a total five of the nine hikers that they have found. It takes four months, or sorry, two months to find the other four. Um where they were finally found on May 4th, um, which is a long ways away from... Uh, remember, they left in January. Um, and where they were found was under four meters of snow. Four meters! That's a lot of snow. Yeah. That is so much snow. Um, in a ravine, uh, about 75 meters further into the woods from the pine tree so they were the furthest away from camp um which is probably they were probably about a, a mile away yeah give or take just a small amount right and it, it they were all uh, better dressed as well so it seems like they had been using the the clothing and supplies of the people that had died first but which is weird because they say that like some of the men were wearing women's clothing and some of the women were wearing men's clothing. They so were like they obviously weren't worried about what they were wearing. They were just grabbing right. something and putting it on. Yeah, they were just in such a haste that they were grabbing whatever they could find. Some of them couldn't grab anything before they got out or maybe the people took the like the people that were found in their underwear maybe had their clothes taken from them after they died. Um but yeah, so these four um or it says three of those four were better dressed than the others. Um where it gets a little weird is saying here, uh, crap, give me that name. Du Dubanina. Dubanina was wearing... Krivonashenko. That guy's burned, torn trousers. Why were they burned? Maybe she was getting close to a fire. Maybe. Burned torn, that makes sense in yeah. such a haste. Torn, I mean, burn is just a little, a little weird in my mind. Right. And then she also had her left foot and shin wrapped with a torn jacket. Um, right. For unknown reasons, I guess. Probably yeah. just a regular in injury. Right. But what's weird is that, so after they find the bodies, um, they started doing medical examinations on them. And for the first uh, five bodies that were found, they say a medical exam. So those were the two under the pine tree and then the three heading back to the tent. They said that there were no injuries found that might have led to their deaths, and it was eventually concluded that they had all died of hypothermia. Um, one of them, Slobodin, he had a small crack in his skull, but they didn't think that it was a fatal wound, which crack in the skull seems... Every crack in every skull seems to be fatal to, to me. me. Yeah. 
Um, but then the four bodies that were found in May, two months later, um, was pretty, pretty disturbing. Yeah, it got weird. Um, so three of the three of the four that were found had fatal injuries. There's one named Thibaut Brignole. I think that's French. He had a major skull damage, and then Dubinina and Zolyatarov had major chest fractures. Chest fractures, that's weird. Like, it's like blunt force just being hit in a chest. Right. Um, and it takes a lot of force yeah. to cause death right. being hit in the chest. chest. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they believe killed them. What the heck are you getting hit by in the chest that will kill you? Right. right. It's something that would cause you to probably leave your tent almost butt naked and yeah. run out of there. Right. So, yeah, fatal wounds on three of the four. Like, crazy fatal wounds, incredible skull damage, incredible chest damage. And then, um, according to one of the doctors that did the the examinations, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high, comparable to the force of a car crash. A car crash. So, like we said earlier, what what does it take to get hit in the chest so hard that it kills you? A car! It's a car! Yeah, but the weird part was that it said... Notably that the bodies had no external wounds associated with the bone fractures. Um, and so they think that they were subject to really high levels of pressure. So like something sitting on your chest and crushing it, but not leaving any external damage. Okay, so so there's some of the... To put it lightly, and it doesn't make any sense, but this these are the minor injuries in my mind. Right. Next, they find... Dubonina, one of the girls, correct? Yeah. I think there were two girls in that expedition. Yeah, there were um, two. One of them, they find her, and not only is she, you know, has, she has major external injuries, just like the rest of them, she also is missing her tongue, she's missing her eyes, and she's missing part of her lips, and she's missing uh, some facial tissue, and she has fragments uh, fragmented skull bone. Uh, she's got some major skin lacerations and all that on her hands. Um, it was claimed that she was found lying face down in a small stream that ran under the snow. Uh, uh, that her injuries were in line with the... Uh, what's... Putrefaction. I don't know what that is. Putrefaction in a wet environment and were unlikely to be associated with her death. So, I mean, this is a crazy thing to me. So they, I will say they were found under a bunch of feet of snow. So maybe this, like the pressure of all the snow, if it was like an avalanche or something that could hit like, like a car that could hit like a car. Also with the chest injuries, like I've heard that going into cardiac arrest can cause huge, like, grapefruit sized holes in your chest what yeah i i don't i don't i pr don't remember where i heard that but um <laughs> the internet it might have actually been on psych i think <laughs> like i legit think woody from psych said that or something but um <laughs> like going into cardiac arrest can cause damage to your chest area i believe that um so that combined with the pressure of snow and possible force of an avalanche could be the cause, but I don't know. I just don't see that. Like well, that is twenty feet of snow on top of them. Right, right. I don't Sounds know. Sounds like an avalanche to me. Right. Yeah, but, it could be. But it's it's weird. Like I mean, in my mind, if 
if I get hit by an avalanche, it's not just my chest that they're going to find. I think right, my neck's right. going to be broken. I think I'm going to have broken legs and stuff from being thrown around by a, by a, an avalanche. Right. Um, and you're, they don't have many of those things. All they have is fractured skull and this huge... Also, it's not going to tear out my tongue, and your my eyes, eyes right. and part of my lip. Maybe right. my lip. That makes sense. But she didn't have eyes or her tongue. What's up with that? Right. Right. That's messed up. Right. So some gruesome deaths. Some of them not so gruesome. Just elemental death, freezing, hypothermia. But some of them pretty gruesome. Blunt force trauma, you know, by the force of a car crash. Um, so crazy mysterious with the exact cause of death. Um, it's, and it, this Okay, we didn't even say when this was. This is a while ago. Yeah, this was in 1959. So this is in 1959 when this happened. And today, it's still an unsolved case. And it, like, cause of death is unknown, officially. Right. So, I mean, medical science today. I don't know when the last time was that they, like, tested the bodies, but I'd imagine I actually think they're reopening the case. Are they? I I had heard that. Yeah, I had heard that, too. So, hopefully they can find something. Obviously, uh, technology criminal investigation, all that kind of stuff. Not as good as it was, or is as good, but gosh, It wasn't as good back then as it is today. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, Right. Um, But yes, um, according to CNN, just looking it up really quick, uh, that they posted on February 4th, it's uh, an article titled, Russia Reopens Investigation into 60-Year-Old Dyalov Pass Mystery. Um, So that might be very interesting. I need. I need to go read this. Why don't we? Why don't we read this? Yeah, I. I didn't look that much into the reopening of it. I just heard it was going to be. I didn't know it officially was. Does it say why? Like, does it give a reason why they're reopening it? Um. It's just kind of giving a recap. I know this stuff. While you're looking that up, I'm gonna okay, move keep on. Going. Um. So I mean, one of the initial speculations was that. Uh, there was an indigenous group that lived close called the Mansi people, and they thought that the Mansi had attacked the the group of hikers um, for kind of encroaching their lands. But when they investigated this, they saw that like the nature of the deaths of the hikers didn't really support the theory of an attack um, because only the hikers' footprints were visible. There weren't any other sets of footprints, and there was no sign on the hikers of like a struggle like a hand-to-hand struggle. Um, they didn't really have external wounds other than that lady missing her eyes and her tongue. Um, but other than that, no signs of a, of a struggle or a foul play by anybody else. Um, so, yeah, again, they, were, they weren't well-dressed. Some of them only had one shoe, one sock. Some of them were found in snips of ripped clothing. Um, let's see here. So yeah, they did conclude, so six of them apparently they died of hypothermia and then the three of the fatal injuries of the the blows to the head and chest. Um, There weren't any other indications of anyone else that was nearby, just the nine travelers. The tent had been ripped open from within. Um, Victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal, so they were able to tell that within the medical testing. So, six to eight hours before their deaths, they were supposedly fine and eating. Um, yeah, that's... I mean, that is a long time for a lot of things to happen. Right. 
And then it does also say that traces from the camp showed that they that the members left the campsite of their own accord and on foot. And this is one of the kickers for me that makes this like that blows the possibilities like out of like makes a crazy amount of possibilities is that it says high levels of radiation were found oh, on one right. of the victims' clothing. So again, they're not by any modern civilizations. There's nothing out there except this group of mancy people that are like kind of close to them. But and they don't have radioactive right materials. Right. They wouldn't have brought any machinery or radioactive materials with them because they needed to save weight and space for their food and equipment. Um, so yeah, one of them was found with high levels of radiation, um, which is just nuts to me. Like I, I can't, the only like things that I can think of is possible military testing in the area, which is a major theory or we'll get like into that extraterrestrials one. because you hear radiation with like UFOs and stuff. Um, on the military testing front, they're, is a uh, uh, even longer through. Um, was it in the journals and the diaries where they um, s- claimed to see bright lights in the sky? Yeah. So, so yeah, they basically in their entries they say they were seeing bright floating lights. Not I don't I don't know how they described them exactly, but they saw them floating in the sky and. Um, it has been claimed that this is military testing, like um, that they were trying the military or the Russian government was using this area for testing something. I don't know what they were testing. Maybe there's more information on that than I know, but and that these things were radioactive. Um, maybe caused them to go insane. Maybe. I don't know. I don't have anything more on that. Do you know about any more about that? Um, I mean, the most likely explanation of the radiation is the military testing. This was at the time of the Cold War, so tensions were really high between the U.S. and Russia. And um, the U.S. was doing weapons testing in the in the United States at the time. And so you know Russia was doing it too. You know they were testing something... And the thing is, like, with technology, they always say that really what we have today is not the most advanced technology that we have. Like, for instance, when we were talking about weather control on the last episode with HARP, like, before anyone ever even knew anything about HARP, they were already 20 years past what people were speculating HARP was doing at the time. So at this time, Russia could have been 20 years ahead of whatever people thought the technology was and could have been testing some crazy new weapons out there. Um, you know, nuclear warfare was kind of the theme at the time of the cold war. And so to find levels of radiation, if it was military testing definitely makes sense, but the military of course denied like of course anything to do with it. Um, a little extra on the lights quote unquote, they, they found their cameras. Um, and obviously they had the, the film developed. Um, and the last picture, they're all normal pictures, them posing next to trees, uh, doing stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, I say blah, blah, blah a lot. I'm going to have to edit that out. Um, I say I'm a lot too. 
I was pointed that out by someone that was listening the other day. Anyway, the last photo ever taken on that camera by them is low quality, obviously, very blurry, and it just looks like some lights. Yeah. What, what, what does that mean to you? It's honestly a little I mean, unsettling photo. Right. I don't it know what looks, it is. It looks to me like you can clearly see right in the middle. So it's black. Like the photo is mostly black. There's one like pixelated circle in the middle. And then on the upper left, it looks like fire. Like that looks like to me what would be like a fire. Okay. I never or, thought of it like fire. Maybe like um, smoke. Yeah. Coming maybe up like, from a fire. Like something like, I don't know, like just the contrast between black and white. I, I think it's the, and the whole thing has like a very, very faint circle. white circle right. behind it. Like you can barely see. And that's the unsettling part to me. The only other it thing. It almost looked like eyes. Almost. Yeah. It's, yeah. I could see that too. Um, I've heard people speculate that it was a face at one point. Oh, that makes, I don't, um, but. That's freaky. That's yeah. freaky. I do not like looking at the picture thinking I, it's a face. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, the other thing I could see is cameras back then probably didn't have great shutter speed. And so oh, it could be not. a light moving, you know, like, okay. and it's capturing like the trail of the light moving. Um, I, I think they were a little better than that, but I do see where you're coming from. Right. Right. But that, that would be my theory is it's either like something given off thermal energy, like a military missile that's being launched down there, or it's just a light that's moving quickly. Or a daggum face. Yeah, but dude, how would you get that much residual light coming off of a face, though? Aliens. Alien face. Aliens. Um, Maybe it's just a picture of absolutely nothing. Well, here's an interesting uh, development as well. So back in 2008... A hiker was up in the same area, found a huge, like, three-by-three piece of metal. Really? And he couldn't carry it out because it was either too heavy or he was too freaked out to carry it out, maybe because he thought there was radiation on it or something. Uh Um, But uh, the Russian government uh, went and investigated it, and um, they said it fits well with the theory that the Russian military was conducting tests and a secret missile crashed in the area, and its secret cargo may have been responsible for the radiation on the bodies um did it pull out their tongues and eyes yeah i don't know (laughs) but another interesting theory is that maybe the hikers were involved with the military testing really like Like, willingly yeah like maybe they were helping the military with something so they went quote-unquote off course by accident i mean maybe that's real but the reason for the trip could have been okay just to go up there and help with some type of testing in the area um, just to oversee, I don't know, things um, out there. But, yeah, so that piece of metal could potentially do something. I It doesn't say much about it. Um, it just says it was found in the same area, and it's dated to around the time that that happened. So, and if Okay, so, yeah, of, of course there's tons and tons of speculation as to what happened. And for those who are super skeptical and want the most reasonable explanation, one theory, um, besides the avalanche, but still, that doesn't... Avalanche still isn't realistic to me for some, a few different reasons. Um, but the most realistic to me um, is, again, I can't remember his name, of course, because it's Russian, the one that joined them. Yuri, oh, wait. Yeah, I don't remember that guy's name. He was either. an outsider. He wasn't originally part of the group. Um, n- no one knew him, really. 
But from what we could tell from the diary notes, they said, oh, he joined us. He is ex-military. Um, and he was a he was a bad A in the military. Like, um, like I, Black Ops, Super High, yeah, like no, Special Forces. I remember, I can't remember the exact, I should have written this down because it was... It, wasn't he Spetsnaz? Probably. I'm pretty sure, he, which is like Russian Navy SEALs pretty much. But I remember they sent, they have like a certain name for missions that are basically impossible. And they say like only like 20% of the people that go on these missions ever actually make it and survive. Um, and he did like four of them. Or something like that. I need to find that. But I, it, I remember reading that, yeah. I, the numbers are definitely wrong, but it was something along those lines. Like, it was just freaking impressive. This guy is nuts. Like, he is... He means business. Um, I'm sure he was a lot of fun to have along, but one of the theories uh, that came around was maybe he had some form of uh, PTSD, uh, mm. something along the lines of that where, I don't know, maybe something happened, maybe the fire, the campfire, maybe someone, I don't know, a loud noise in the woods, something just tipped him off, and he went bananas on everybody. Like, it was him who... Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Like, I remember one of my neighbors. That, why are you laughing, Jack? One of my neighbors that was in the military. Um, Jack's dying of laughter over here. Um, what? Keep going. So one of my neighbors that was in the military said that, like, when he came back, he would he had really bad. PTSD and like especially around the 4th of July you hear tons of veterans that when they hear fireworks will like grab their gun and run outside or they'll get really freaked out or whatever so that's really possible like maybe he did have a bunch of crazy PTSD and went on a rampage for me personally I think the most likely thing is that there probably was military testing um, which if there were explosions could cause an avalanche one um, because their tent was found, like, buried. with snow on it. Yeah, it was completely buried. There's a picture of it that you can see. It's, like, but, buried. again, they didn't find the tent even for, like, a week right. after, at least a week after they were missing. So there could have been an avalanche after this That's all true. happened. That's there could valid. have been a ton of snowfall after this happened. Right. This Everything being buried, the bodies and the tent and the campsite, that could be part of the reason, but also could be something completely unrelated because of such how big the time frame was. Right. We can't say anything for right. certain. I mean, I guess if there was an avalanche, thinking about it now, they probably wouldn't have been able to get as far away from the tent as they did. Um, they oh, would have yeah, been definitely. swallowed up by it quicker. So They would not have gotten a mile away. I mean, I my theory is that there definitely was military testing, and the radiation could have caused them to like hallucinate or to be like go all crazy and weird um would it do that to all of them though i mean if they're all right there yeah probably but i don't feel like it would have the same effects on all of them i feel like it might have it might everything affects everyone differently 
I don't know. Maybe like some of them. Again, how do you hallucinate? You can't tear out your own. I guess you could tear out your own tongue and eyes. Right. Here's the thing. Maybe some of them were affected and some of them weren't. But the ones that weren't like went after the ones that were, you know. Or maybe the ones that were went after the ones that weren't. Right. Well, like, yeah. Either they attacked the ones that weren't affected or the ones attacked. that were affected ran out of the tent for some reason and the ones that weren't like chased after him to try and like get him to come back or something. I don't know. That doesn't add up to me. But that's that's my like most likely thing is that it was I, I, I something to do with military okay, testing. I, I definitely sure. agree with that. There's something there. Um S- such a heightened like air like era of tension between Russia and the US there. Like, I know for a fact they were doing some military testing somewhere, you know. I'm curious as to... I've never actually looked at um, this on a map. Um, but it makes sense that the military would test in an area where nothing is, you know. Right. I'm going to see... Oh, well, that is Russia. Oh, here's another thing why I think it's uh, military is because... Th- after the incident, the public wasn't allowed because they found the last bodies in May, so the snow had started melting. Um, but the public wasn't allowed up there for like three months. And while they three years was it three oh three years maybe, but they weren't allowed up that. there for a long time um, because the government was investigating. So a lot of people think that the government was cleaning up like what happened. Yeah, the outcome was that the area was closed for the next three, three years. years. Okay. So it was three years. The government was potentially cleaning up stuff, and then they also said that uh, after the investigation, there were a bunch of journal entries and photos that were missing. Really? So if the government I must have had, missed that. If the government had found anything from the hikers that would have like given away their military testing or something, they probably either destroyed it or just archived it somewhere. Well, how did the lights thing get out then? Right, I don't know. Maybe they didn't think that that was... Important enough? Yeah, something that I feel like they would be thorough and just get rid of... I feel like they just take the journals and say, what journals? Right. What photographs? Sounds like a very government thing to do, but I don't know how how Putin runs things over there, so... It wasn't Putin. (laughs) Well... It was... Who was it at the time? I don't even know. I barely know our history here in the U.S. It was... Russian leader in 1959. It was the Soviet Union at that time. And it was... The first secretary was Nikita Khrushchev. Um, yeah, Is there so no Khrushchev, official leader? Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure Khrushchev was the leader. Yeah, Khrushchev. And then... Um, he, yeah, so he was the one who led them during the Cold War um, from 53 to 64, yeah. And I mean, there's we haven't even kind of, on a different, we haven't even scratched the surface on how many theories there actually are. Right. I'm looking at some of the ones I haven't researched yet, and there's one called Catabatic Wind, Catabatic, I don't know what that is. I've actually heard that one, too. It's apparently a weather phenomena that causes, like, a certain frequency of wave, like sound oh, wave. Here, I can read it. It's not long. Um, it says, in 2019, a Swedish-Russian expedition was made to the site, and after an investigation, they proposed that a violent catab- catabotic, 
I don't know how to pronounce that's pronounced, but that kind of wind is likely the explanation for the incident. Uh, Katabatic winds are somewhat rare events and can be extremely violent and was in, and was implicated in a similar case in Sweden, uh, the accident of, at Anaris. Might have to look into that. Yeah. Uh, where eight hikers perished in 1978 in the aftermath of a Katabatic wind. Katabatic, gosh dang. Uh, the topography of these locations were noted to be very similar, according to the expedition. The sudden catabatic winds would have made it impossible to remain in the tent, and most ra- rational course of action would be for the hikers would be to cover the tent with snow and seek shelter among the tree lines. There are, were also some flashlights. There was also a flashlight left turned on on the top of the tent, possibly left there intentionally so the hikers could find their way back to the tent once the wind subsided. Um, the expedition pr- proposed that the group of hikers constructed two bivouac shelters. Bivouac. Bivouac? Mm-hmm. That's pronounced bivouac. Yep. That is dumb. That is so dumb. Anyway, constructed two bivouac shelters. Bivouac. <laughs> a bivouac is like a temp, like a temporary shelter. Okay. One of which collapsed, leaving the four hikers buried with the violent injuries observed. Um, it didn't really explain there what a catabatic wind is, mm. but it does, you know, give some insight. And there's still more, like, infra- infrasound testing. Um, there's the military testing one that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, paradoxical undressing, pseudo-scientific, others. Aliens, Bigfoot. Seriously, there's, there, yeah, Yeti. One One of the things was legit. Yeti just came after them, and they just ran away. Maybe. They all got large life insurance policies before they left, faked their deaths. And they're still alive in Barbados? Yeah, they moved to Barbados. <laughs> or to Argentina and teamed up with Hitler down there. Holy crap, I don't think yeah. you can say that. Uh, why not? Oh, okay. I'm just throwing out garbage theories like everyone else. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I, I can't argue with that. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, it definitely is really weird, really cool one to research. Look into it. Go look at the pictures if you have a strong stomach, <laughs> because some of them are, you see the lady with no eyes and no tongue, so that one's kind of weird. Um, Granted, these were pictures taken in the, the 50s, 60s, 60s yeah. but still, it's yeah. not something you necessarily want to The see. bodies were well preserved because of the snow. So. <laughs> don't don't be eating your lunch when you're, uh, when you're wanting right. to look at it. Right. What are catabatic winds? So that catabatic wind, I want to say it's the one I researched where there's like a weather phenomenon that causes a certain sound frequency that like drives you nuts. Wow. It might be different, but I'm pretty sure that's it. According to this small article, it is a technical name for a drainage wind, a wind that carries high density air from a higher elevation down a slope under the force of gravity. Such winds are sometimes also called fall winds. Hmm. Um, I don't. I guess that means they're f- freaking violent, according to that one people. I don't. I didn't understand the part where they said, "Oh, they would have had to have le- left their tent." Why? Why? I don't know. This is why we're not scientists, or are we? Hmm. Doctor Jack and Doctor Austin here. Researching Ooh. weather phenomena for you. Yep, not medical stuff though, because <laughs> we went over. Didn't we go over that? Was that last episode? 
That was the last episode. This last episode, we mentioned yeah. that we were not doctors in any way. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Of course, there's more. We want to keep these roughly to an hour, though, so... Um, let us know if you want to hear more. Let us know if you know anything about these that we didn't cover or may have gotten wrong. Um, let us know if you want us to cover something of it like this again. Let us know if you have any theories of your own Ooh, that you've come up with yes. or heard about. Shoot us an email. We're not on social yet, but we're getting there. If someone wants to make us a social and send us the credentials, credentials. We're, we're learning internets, so... If you send it to me, I'll, I don't know, I'm, I'll, I'll eat a donut for you. I'll say this donut, I, this is for you, and I'm going to scarf it down. I don't know. Mm, yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, we'll be on social soon. For now, we've got the email, tangentpodcast at outlook.com. Shoot us an email there. Share with we, your friends. Yeah. We love to hear from you guys. Um, we do want our content to be fan-driven, so any other cases or mysteries you want to hear about, let us know. Uh, shoot us an email, and yeah. we can research them and go Things over. like, say, hey, I didn't like this episode, or I did like this one. Just things like that. Anything is helpful. It's like, hey, okay, they like this, they don't like this, and we can look into it. Yep. And we are completely okay with changing who we are for you also donate to the do fund yes the do fund the do fund we do have the do fund what did we say last time 65 cents a can helps helps us get uh a sugar high and, and become more entertaining the for sugar high is what keeps us entertaining yes also keeps me out of my food comas let's see <laughs> average cost of a can of soda Plus, we'll recycle them for you and donate. We'll put something back to the environment. So Never mind, apparently. Oh, that's for Coke. Coke. A 16-ounce can? Is that normal? How big are those cans? check. Are those 8 ounces? I think these are 8 ounces. Let's see. 12. 12. 12. 12. Okay, so doing the math, yeah, it's about 80 cents. You can spare that, I swear. Just keep us alive with our sugar rushes. Or yes. not. I don't really care. <laughs> I'll buy it either way. Maybe. Um, but yeah, let us know what you guys think of the podcast. Give us some feedback. Um, and shoot us some emails. We'll be on social soon. And we'll we'll give you the deets. Deets. Of the page names as well. And what, what uh, platforms we'll be on for social. We might have to get a new Twitter handle because they won't let me back into that one. Really? Yeah, like that's just locked down. Huh. I can't okay. even like delete it to try and start over. Maybe Twitter figured out that we were talking about the Russian government today and, and shut us down. They're and, cahoots. Yeah. Twitter is the Russian government. Yes. Um, Twitter caused the death of those nine men. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for Sponsor tuning in, Sponsor us, guys. Twitter. <laughs> uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a good evening. And see you next time.